You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, what's going on? It's Moose. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rate, review, and subscribe. Google and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, the brand new Himalaya Podcast app, your smart device, and the other plethora of ways you have to listen to your favorite podcast. Today's show brought to you in part by Postmates. Doesn't matter what you want, Postmates can get it for you. I promise. Like you're me, I'm a I'm a burger connoisseur, so I'm probably going to order a burger, and then later I'm going to need a brewski to wash it all down. And Postmates has got it covered. And I tell you what, you want to try it out right now? My listeners get get one hundred dollars in free delivery credit by. Using the code Locked On L O C K E D O N when you download the Postmates app for iOS and Android. Uh, it is a special edition of Locked On Cardinals because uh, we have one final series with the Reds on the way. It starts uh, a little bit later on today. Uh, as you're listening to this, so of course I had to bring back Jeff Carr, host of Locked On Reds. It's the last time we get to preview a series together, man. Moose. I'm telling you, this is where the last five years have really sucked to be a Reds fan because we haven't had any playoff hopes and well, six years, I guess now. But uh, and, and we start to see the end of the tunnel coming and we know that the offseason is forthcoming. So I'm, I'm with you. It's a bummer that we're talking about the final Reds Cardinal series of 2019. Well, it's a much different Reds team nowadays as well. And we're going to touch on on all that uh, coming up here in just a little bit. Um, but first, uh, just a quick recap of the Cardinals. They did uh, finally lose a game. You know, earlier in the season, it seemed like they couldn't win a series to save their life. They went all of May without ever winning a series. And now they've just been on a roll, um, finally losing to the Brewers, uh, I believe, 4-1. to one, uh, But they still pick up the series win, still in first place by two and a half games. And... Uh, Jeff, I got to tell you, man, I don't know if you're going to believe this or not, but since the All-Star break, uh, do you know the Cardinals and the Astros have the exact same record? Very nice. I know. The, the Cardinals are on fire, but as, and you, you've seen this happen in the National League Central. As streaky as all the teams in the National League Central are, with the exception of maybe the Pirates, uh, the question is going to be, did the Cardinals peak too soon? Because there's still just one bad weekend away from not being in first. Right. Well, and that's been the whole season. It's like the first couple of months you saw the Pirates were just crazy overachieving up at the top. And then it was the Brewers and then it was the Cubs. And then the Cardinals jumped in here just recently. And I'm just I'm loving the fact that this is really the only pennant race in the National League. It's really only one of two pennant races worth watching in all Major League Baseball. I mean, everything else is kind of based on the wild card because the division leaders like in the West and in the East are just so far ahead of everybody else that you almost don't even care. Like, I mean, is anybody in the West really thinking they're going to catch the Dodgers? You know, I don't think so. And what I what else I, I do think is the fact that the Cardinals um, and the Cubs, no matter what happens, it's going to come down to the final uh, the final series of the season, like the, the final series of the season. So the last seven of the Cardinals' last ten games of the regular season are against the Cubs. you got four at Wrigley, then you go on the road to face Arizona, and then you get three at home to finish everything out against the Cubbies. 
So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun seeing how uh, this team really puts it together. You know, as a fan of baseball, and, and I know schedulers like, you know, they, they catch a lot of flack from fans. As a fan of baseball, I applaud the schedulers with that. Like, it's almost like they had some kind of crystal ball and can tell that that would be the most interesting thing to do in the final 10 days of the season. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, this is a Cardinals-focused uh, podcast, of course, that we're talking on. And uh, Jeff is the host of Locked on Reds. You can find uh, – Jeff, I can never remember your Twitter handle, man. What is it? It is just my name, at Jeff Carr, with three Fs. I always catch a lot of flack for that. Jeff <laughs> Carr. Jeff As, yeah. Carr. <laughs> so um, you can follow him on Twitter. He's got lots of great Reds coverage. Uh, and that's who that's, it's our final series against the Reds, and it's a different looking team. You know, I, I, I'm sure you heard all the flack that the Cardinals front office got for not really making a move outside of picking up a one pitcher on waivers to only immediately DFA him and then trading Jed Jerko to the Dodgers. Which, by the way, I'm sure Jed will become an all star or something. I, I, <laughs> did they even keep Jed Jerko? I don't even know how he's doing with the Dodgers or not. But, I think I've. I think I've seen that he's like got a little bit, but I don't know that he's played a ton. Mm. Well, the Reds, uh, the Reds got pretty busy picking up the one guy, the one guy that I wanted the Cardinals to get. The Reds went out and got, and that's uh, Trevor Bauer. Uh, he of the former Cleveland Indians fame, and now of the Cincinnati Reds, staying in Ohio, and he's pitching uh, tonight. For the Reds against the Cardinals, taking on Dakota Hudson. Uh, what's the story on Bauer since he's uh, come down there to the Queen City? I tell you, he's had one really good start in which he had, I believe it was 11 strikeouts without looking it up. Uh, I think it was like 11 strikeouts in that start. However, the rest of his starts in a Reds uniform have not been so great. Unfortunately, in his time in Cincinnati so far, He's had five starts to the tune of a 7.6 ERA. He's allowed 22 earned runs in 26 innings. And, and there's some that think, you know, well, he understands the situation. And the Reds, I mean, we're not looking at it, uh, not even most Reds fans who understand what's going on. We're not looking at it as, well, <laughs> maybe we don't have the three horses at the top of the rotation that we thought we had. But I'm not thinking of that at all. I think he's doing a lot of tweaking, and one of the things he said whenever he came over from Cleveland is that he is super interested in learning Luis Castillo's changeup. I don't know how much that's factored in, but I think that that is playing a role because he has tried to throw it in some games, and you can see that he kind of leaves it out over the plate, and he gets, I mean, it gets bombed a lot. So I think it's just something where he's working into it, and uh, I'm not, I'm not super worried about the numbers that I've seen so far. So the the other thing with Bauer, and I'm going to say that this is also what's been going on with Paul Goldschmidt up until recently. I think anytime you are a, a fairly recognizable player, a Trevor Bauer, a Paul Goldschmidt, a uh, John Carlos Stanton, anybody like that, and you get traded to a new team, especially in the middle of the season, I think the pressure on you to perform is just immense. And probably more so for a pitcher than it is for a batter. Um so I, I kind of wonder if that's what's going on like next season. What well, you got him this season, and you got him next season, 
Mm -hmm. And then is he a free agent after 2020 or is it after 2021? He is a free agent after next year, and he's uh, due a little bit of a raise through arbitration after this year. So you think, we'll, do you think the Reds are going to keep him, or are they going to trade him? I, I think I think they're going to keep him because one of the big things that happened with the trade was it was almost a ceremonial just shedding of the whole we're rebuilding title. Like There was a lot of people that said the narrative, like they traded for Trevor Bauer, and that officially means that they believe they can go for it next year. They can start the, you know, open the contention window, as it were. So I don't, I don't see them trading. There's been a lot of people that have said, oh, well, maybe they trade him for this big bat, or maybe they trade him for this big bat. And there's something that I read, um, and it's slipping my mind who wrote it, but I, I read it, and they said that the currency of today's game is pitching because of all the analytics and all the metrics that tell you this and that and the other everyone wants to just absolutely load up on pitching and now i remember who it was it was over at red leg nation as they were comparing the whole you know did the reds hashtag get the pitching and are they done with all that well look no further than the astros kind of like you mentioned ever since the all-star break with the cardinals and the astros right there neck and neck at the trade deadline, you'd have figured the one team that's not looking to add starting pitching is Houston. And what do they do? They get Zach Grinke. It's, just, it, it's a never-ending quest to get better starting pitchers. So I, I don't think that they're going to trade him unless it's just an absolute you know, blow-away kind of deal. But I don't see that happening. Yeah, I really wanted the Cardinals to get Grinky too. The, the word was is, is Grinky would have waived his no-trade clause to St. Louis because he wanted to play with Goldschmidt again. But in true Cardinals fashion, not even an offer was made. Oh, mm. man. Oh, it's so nice. Oh, yeah, we could go round and round about that. However, <laughs> it is time for a break. This is Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. And uh, I tell you what, we'll be right back. Guys, when you're on deck and getting ready to step up to the plate, you have to be sure you're ready to swing for the fences. But if you're looking for that fastball when you get a curve instead, that's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is the first chewable of its kind with the same FDA-approved active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis. So, you know they work, right? You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity to swing for the fences arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online. Ship straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code MLB to try it free. Again, that promo code MLB. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Cardinals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and all the different podcast ways you can do it. We are pretty much everywhere. Uh, I think the only place we're not is iHeartRadio, Jeff. Yeah, that's the one thing that I, I keep wanting to see us jump into because they keep 
saying how big they are with podcasts, and I'm like, well, you need the Locked On Podcast Network. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, what are you doing? I mean, it's uh, consistently in, uh, in, in the top of, uh, at, le- at least in the baseball category on iTunes. Uh, I see Locked On Reds near the top. Of course, Locked On Cardinals near the top. The voice you're hearing, by the way, is that of Jeff Carr. You can find him at Jeff Carr on Twitter, J-E-Triple-F Carr, C-A-Double-R. Um, man, there's like a song in there or something. We were just talking about Trevor Bauer and how he's been for the Reds. And, uh, you know, how pitching is the currency of baseball right now. And I think that is that is absolutely true. And especially young, controllable pitching. Trevor Bauer completely remade himself uh, over the last couple of years. What's uh, Did you read the book? It was a book about pitching or sabermetrics. Right? It, it was a new book. And I'm trying to remember which one it is. Uh, but it specifically talks about Trevor Bauer uh, using some of this new video technology and radar tracking to figure out the best way to like throw a curveball. Or it's not the MVP machine, is it? I think it is MVP machine. I did buy that. I still haven't read it yet, but I bought it. I, <laughs> it's, I, it's on the shelf, ready to go. <laughs> I listen to a lot of audio books, and, and so many of them, especially baseball ones, they all kind of get a little um, mixed up in my head sometimes. So... It is what it is. However, uh, Trevor Bauer uh, definitely going to be a major piece for the Reds moving forward in 2020. And uh, ha- how's the rest of the uh, the series shaping up here? We've got uh, Bauer and Hudson tonight. And I- I'm going to apologize in advance. I've been wrestling with my little boy tonight. And uh, so I didn't look at all the entire weekend's uh, projected starters. I know Hudson's going for the Cardinals tonight. A makeup game, which I guess is the first part of a doubleheader on Saturday. Um, they're making it with a game on June 5th. So, uh, yeah, they don't. Castillo is going on Sunday, but that's the only other starter that's been announced thus there's far. Gonna, there's going to be one of those games on Saturday. I, I've heard on the post-game show the other day, they said that one of the games is going to be Sonny Gray and the other game is going to be uh, probably Tyler Malley. They'll bring him up from AAA. He's back healthy. It's just... They had him down in AAA, and uh, he'll be that extra game starter there. It's crazy having four games in three days. It just sounds like a marathon. It does sound like a marathon, but hey, you know what? I, I said this on yesterday's episode. It feels like even though there's a makeup game in this series, it feels like the Cardinals do far more four-game series with the Reds than they do anybody else. I feel like every time you've been on the show, it's because of a four-game series. I feel that way too, which... Probably means that my prediction will be about the same. Uh, you know what? The the Reds, uh, they, I'm not saying they've owned the Cardinals, but it's been fairly, uh, you know, fairly consistent, I think. It's been about 50-50. They split the last one. They, they won two. They lost two. And uh, I don't Did they win the series before that? Actually, it looks like for the year, in the 15 games they've played thus far, St. Louis actually has a 9-6 and six record against the Reds. So pretty close. It, it's, I mean, 9-6, and six, the Cardinals are still winning that, but it's not like being blown out. It's not like right. where you know, the Cardinals have been destroying the Pirates. The Pirates haven't won a game against the Cardinals all year. I wish I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I wish. I wish. 
so the, with Trevor Bauer in the fold, um, in the the National League Central is already pretty knotted up at the top. You got the Cardinals, the course, the Cubs, the Brewers. Are the Reds going to jump back in there in 2020? That's what I'm hoping, and that is what I'm thinking. But a lot of it definitely depends on what they do this offseason. It's going to be even more important and hopefully even more interesting than this past offseason, which turned out to be a pretty fun one for the Reds. So, Joey, how much how much longer do you have with Joey Votto? Four years. What? Really? Yeah. That's, I thought it was like 2021. No, no. They... Um, it's it's another four years, which is funny because that's been a hot topic. Because everyone is saying, "Man, they've what a terrible deal for the Reds." And it's like, no, 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 no. This was a fine deal. This was the these are the years that it's almost like it was a credit card. They paid for the amazing years that he's had the last you know five or six, and it was their fault for not putting a team around him. And now whenever they're starting to put that team together, he's kind of hit the decline phase. And I know he joked about that early on in the season, but now he's going through the whole, okay, well, what is he is the rest of his career? But that doesn't necessarily mean that the contract was a bad deal. It's just the Reds didn't follow up on the deal. You can't just sign one guy and expect that to be it. And one bad year doesn't nece- necessarily mean a decline is on the way. Right. Uh, you he, take he, a, I was going to say, you take yeah. a look at Lance Berkman, right? He's with the Yankees, got cast off from the Yankees, comes to the Cardinals in 2011 and kills it in 2011. I remember that well. He, I don't know that the Reds ever got him out whenever the Cardinals played them in 2011. Well, to be to be honest, uh, when whenever they said that he was going to be in right field, I was among everybody else going, "Really? You're going to stick? You're going to stick <laughs> Berkman in right?" It, hey, it worked out great. But Votto, though, what Votto's 38, 37, something like that. He's in his he's in his thirty five, I think. Oh, geez, he's got plenty of game left in him. Plenty of game playing first base. He's not really getting that beat up. That's, I mean, and, and that's kind of what I've thought too. Is like, there's still some stuff left in. I keep saying, I keep beating it over the head to anybody who's going to listen that I think that he can end up being a Todd Helton type guy. Like he's not going to hit more than, you know, I think 15 home runs might be his ceiling at this point. But at the same token, he could still get on base around four, you know, uh, OBP of around 400 and. He can still be a productive catalyst at the top of the lineup. It's just you're not expecting Joey Votto to be the middle of the lineup bopper anymore. Now that's Suarez and the awesome new guy, Aristides Aquino. So with with Votto then, are you what are you what are you kinda of counting on? Like a two sixty, two seventy average? Maybe twenty think, to twenty five home runs? I think Honestly, I'd probably say 270, 280, but I'd almost only say about 15 to 18 home runs. And In Great American Ballpark, really? Yeah, he's only got 12 right now this entire year. And and Aquino actually just passed him um, the other day. He hit a home run in Miami, uh, and Aquino's played all of like – you know, he it was in uh, it was his 100th plate appearance at that time. Whenever he hit the 13th home run, so it's 
it's crazy how it's just worked out the power. And, and he's gone through long stretches this year where he's messed with his stance. He's messed with his swing. There's like a solid month where uh, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but he was trying to squat down almost as low as Pete Rose was in the box. And he choked up as high on the bat that he probably could have hit the ball with the handle as much as he could with the barrel. And now he's standing straight up. He's keeping his hands down on the handle. It's just like he's got to find his happy place in the batter's box is basically what it boils down to. That kind of sounds like what's going on with Matt Carpenter right now. You know, Matt Carpenter was always good for, I mean, last year he hit like 33 home runs, was a force at the top of the lineup, an on-base machine. And this year he's batting 202, and that's his season high is 202 because it's usually been down between 192 and 200 and it it just sounds like they need to find their way again and they need to find a it's almost like they need to adjust to the fact that they're aging a little bit you know and maybe Um, maybe Votto isn't going to be the 30 bomb guy anymore so maybe he becomes the 20 doubles guy and on the subject of Votto and I was thinking this and I wanted to ask you this too this season the Cardinals have done a lot of, and it's the hot topic in all of professional sports nowadays, is the term load management. There's been a lot of load management with Yadier Molina. On the flip side, when it comes to Joey Votto, like he just came off of the disabled list. He was on the DL for you know, about two weeks or something with what they said was a strained lower back. And he's told everybody in interviews it's not a lingering thing it's just something he tweaked in a swing it's not it's not age or anything like that but how how do you think load management plays out in the later portions of a player's career because i know that yadi hasn't been the guy that he's usually been in the middle of the order the last couple of years but at the same time he still has flashes of productivity and I wonder if that's something the Reds could benefit from with Joey Votto moving forward. Well, a couple of things. Number one, Yachty is apparently indestructible and is going to play until he's 438. Because <laughs> uh, since coming, one, it's not been it's not been load management for Yachty. That's not what happened. What happened okay. is, is he got hit on the thumb, continued to play through it, and then was suddenly on the IL for like eight weeks. And that's when Weeders came in and uh, – Props to John Mazalock for signing Weeders. You know, your backup catcher is a former All-Star. And uh, he, he took over the reins admirably. But now that Yachty's back, he's playing like every single day again. And he's he's not he's not at all, um, I'm giving it up. But a lot of people want to see him, uh, not necessarily with Weeders. I don't know that the Cardinals re-sign Weeders at the end of the year because we got Andrew Kidsner who is Yachty's heir apparent, a lot of people would like to see Yachty catch three of the five starters and let Andrew catch the other two. And if Yachty really needs the at-bats or something like that, you can spell, you know, Goldschmidt or something, you know, as a, you know, put Yachty in as a, as a replacement later on in the game, which you've been seeing that some. But as far as load management goes, I think you absolutely have to do it. I'd like to see them do it with Yachty more and be more intentional about it. And not just Yachty either. I mean, um, you know, I, I would like to see it with, with Matt Carpenter. I'd like to see it, and you do see it some with Dexter Fowler. But load management, you know, as much money as they're pumping into these guys, 
Mm-hmm. You, you almost you almost can't blame him. I mean, you you said you got four more years with Joey Votto, and despite the fact that we all know that every player, for the most part, declines in the years that Votto's getting ready to go to, you still want to get every last ounce of baseball that Votto's got in him. And the best way to probably do that is to keep Votto fresh. Is he going to play 160 to 162 games anymore, start those? Probably not. But can you start him for, say, 130 to 140 games and get a better version of Votto on purpose? Probably. I I would say that's probably a smart move to do, and I wish more teams would do it, uh, again, a little more intentionally. Uh, it stinks, you know, especially as a fan, if you decide to go to a game and you're going specifically to see Joey Votto and he doesn't play, it stinks. But baseball is still a business, and these teams have to do, you know, what's what's the best thing they can do with their investments, which is the players. I agree, and it's it's been a hot topic around town is that, you know, Joey Votto's going to be around for four more years. You basically pencil him into first base as the starter and there's not really a huge debate about that but maybe there should be and then all this other stuff gets brought up and you're just like i I don't think it's something that they need to look for his replacement they just need to almost do kind of what i remember what they did with sean casey and scott hatterberg and this is you know i think that was about 12 years ago now is that scott hatterberg played first base every like fifth day or something like that to kind of give him a spell. And then Hatterberg was also like a backup for other positions and stuff like that. And then he transitioned into the everyday first baseman when Sean Casey left. And I just think that it's something that the Reds could benefit from with Joey Votto more. I know that I think early on this year, he was taking a day off about once every two weeks. And I'm with you. I think, a 130-game season for him should be what they expect. And he's going to be more productive than if you try to stretch him a little bit too far. And essentially, you're just giving him a week's worth of games off per month is what you're right. doing. And you can spread those out however you want. And that way, you're still getting him throughout the bulk of the year, or at least the perception is that. But you're also giving him a break because you, you see what happened with Yadier Molina. He hurt his thumb. He insisted he was fine. He bullied his way into staying in the games. And what was probably a 10-day IL stint turned into an eight-week one because he wouldn't stop playing long enough to heal his hand. And whereas I don't know that Votto is quite uh, that insistent about things, I would imagine that most players, if they can get away with playing hurt, will. Oh, yeah, and he's always been a guy that, like, you'll hear after the season, well, you know, I played with this and I played with that. And most of the reporters say, yeah, the reason he played with that is because it just was never anything that anyone asked or anyone ever found out, so he just didn't tell anybody. So I I agree with you there. I think if you're a professional baseball player and you can get out there and play the game that you love, maybe – at 80 percent then you're still going to do that no absolutely um well okay so golly this is such a good conversation jeff i'm gonna have to have you back on uh at the end of the (laughs) series maybe on monday or something to continue this we're running a little bit long though we gotta wrap it up so real fast your prediction we got a three-game series between the cardinals and reds actually four games because there's a makeup game from uh the june 5th game that got postponed what is your call 
I think we split. I, I think that uh, the Reds will win two and the Cardinals will win two. I know that the, the, the games mean a lot more to the Cardinals, especially as far as the standings are concerned. Uh, but there are some, there are probably some designs on the red side as well. They look at the fact that they're only, uh, I think it was four and a half back of the Brewers for third place. And so they're going to be motivated one way or the other. And I think that they get good performances from Castillo and Gray. And maybe it's a struggle of a performance from Bauer. And I don't know what we'll see from Allie at all. So that's where I'm kind of getting the split. Who hits the well? I, well, number one, I'm going to say that it goes three and one, and that's Cardinals better. lose on Sunday against Castillo. That that's going to be my call. Uh, and last question for you: Who hits the first home run of the series? I say Paul Goldschmidt. It'll happen tonight. Um, or excuse me, not tonight. Friday. The first game's Friday. What am I talking about? Um, <laughs> They got a day off. I've been saying I've been saying tonight and everything else later. No, it's Friday. Um, so the it'll be Paul Goldschmidt. He'll hit it in the he'll hit it in the first inning off of Trevor Bauer on a let's say, and I, I'm, I'm this is this I'm gonna have a better chance of winning the lottery on a two one fastball. <laughs> that that is detailed. I'm gonna say. I tell you what, on Wednesday night, the Reds tied the all-time record for most first-inning home runs in a season by a team, and they did it with Aristides Aquino. He had a three-run bomb that like almost left Marlins Park. I think they set the record. They officially get to 40, because right now they're at 39 first-inning home runs. They're going to hit a first-inning home run. It's going to be... Let's say a Eugenio Suarez. He's been hot lately, four games in a row with a home run. I think he hits one off Dakota Hudson. I'll say Dakota Hudson spins a breaking ball that doesn't break, and Suarez launches it over. I, I would but say I can, you you might be right because he's he's notorious for giving up home runs. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll say that Bowers he's given up a few too. I, I still have uh, nightmares about that game in Washington where they gave up. They just would not get the Nationals out from like the fourth to the fifth inning. And I think in those two innings, the Nationals scored all 17 of their runs. That that sounds about right. That that sounds like <laughs> the Nationals. All right. So, again, you can catch Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Carr. That's J-E-F-F-F-C-A-R-R. And you can uh, listen to his show, Locked on Reds. It's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, just like Locked on Cardinals. So, round of applause for Jeff. There we go. Jeff, thanks so much, man. Moose, it's always a pleasure. All right, you drink a brewski for the mooski. I'm out. All right, let me see if I know how to... I need to, I need to stop it. How do I stop it?